Welcome to Celebrating Act Two. Celebrating Act Two is the user manual for the second half of your life. Good to see you all again. Thanks for joining us. We are with John Mariani, uh, Celebrating Act Two's a resident food and travel writer. And uh, welcome, John. Hi, Art. Good to be back. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I have a question for Mr. Mariani. Uh, I read that you recently donated uh, a collection of menus to some organization. What, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, for, I've been a food and travel writer for close to 50 years. And I collect menus mainly because I need them to refer to when I'm writing about the restaurant, but also because at least in the past, they used to be extremely beautiful, um, very expensive too, and works of art um, that said that really expressed a certain time, uh, expressed what that restaurant was about and what the restaurant was intending. So it was quite a collection of probably, I would say six to 700 menus, including from barbecues, a paper menu, or from a, a Needix or something like that, or a Howard Johnson's placemat. So I decided they're piling up here, and I ain't getting any younger, and I'd like them to go to a good home. So I contacted Boston University's BU up in Boston, um, uh, which has a gastronomic uh, studies program. And I said, would you be interested in having these? And they said, hell yeah. Um, which immediately, I gave them about half the collection so far, and immediately made their collection one of the biggest in uh, the United States um, at this point. And I'm, 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 I have a few more. I'm, I'm annotating them. So I'm saying this was April 1978, Los Angeles, or June 1963, or something like that. So um, they're in a very good home. They have now been filed so that any student anywhere, specifically BU, can go there and go through decades year by year and see what people were eating and seeing the grandeur and the fun and the folly of food as it moved uh, ahead uh, there's really no other way um, because there's not much video from restaurants from the 1970s and 1980s or even the 90s um, now everybody has a video but um, what i also noticed was that the last 10 to 20 years the beautiful menus some of which i'm going to show you are completely a thing in the past. Um, they were expensive. People would steal them. Um, I would always ask for them. And sometimes they'd always have a souvenir menu, which was a smaller version of these. But a lot of effort and money went into these uh, restaurants. The grander they were, um, the more expensive they were going to be. Uh, but now you're lucky if you go to a restaurant, even a three, four star restaurant, get a piece of paper or a, a folded piece of paper. And the outside it says, Mariani's Trattoria, and on the inside, he just lists 10 dishes. Um, so the days of uh, these great menus are gone. I also did a book, um, or, or corroborated on a book, which is out, which you can buy. Just go to my name on the Amazon, and it's American Restaurant Designs, going back to the uh, 19th century and up to the uh, 1950s. So uh, anybody could own that if you want to. Well, John, I'm... Uh, uh, a good job. I'm very impressed that you were able to uh, uh, donate your action, but it is a little sad for me personally because it means that my collection of Holiday Inn towels will probably not go to any museum. <laughs> Just 
doesn't meet that st same standard, I'm sorry I, I to say. I take the towels after they got so big and soft in these deluxe hotels, like the Four Seasons. I couldn't get them into the suitcase anymore, so I just had to leave them behind. I guess my uh, mini shampoos and soaps don't work either. Mm. <laughs> Watch that mini bar. You open that mini bar and touch something, it is sensitive. <laughs> If you take out that bottle of Yoo-Hoo out of there, which is they know. Scotch whiskey, they know. But there is a way around that, by the way. Yeah. I will tell you. you know how to get around that? Okay. Here's what you do. No. You drink anything you want out of the mini bar. And then when you, um, uh, but prior to that, you have been given room 202. And you tell them, I don't like this room. So you go to room 206 or 307. And meanwhile, you've taken all the stuff out of 202. <laughs> So you're in 307, and they say, well, Mr. Bariani, as a bill, I said, well, I'm sorry, but I wasn't into it until I was in 307. Remember, you changed my room. And uh, they will never, ever dispute you because uh, those mini bars are only checked after every three or four days in most hotels. There you go. So, uh, And they know that the staff takes all the mini bar stuff anyway. I just want to verify uh, for, 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 publishing, for publishing this video. Uh, the statute of limitations, I think, is five years. As uh, are we safe? Yeah. I think. <laughs> hey, going back to menus, um, I am uh, fascinated by the fact that you were smart enough, kind enough, and professional enough to ask for a menu because uh, most people just take them. Now, maybe that's not the way it was back then when they were beautiful menus, but the uh, I think most people asked, especially if they were bigger and grander. Um, the actually adjunct, the corollary, is that the bigger and grander, like the one I'm about to show you, is from a restaurant that charges very high prices, and they almost build that in. Um, it's not that they expect you to steal the teaspoons or the ashtrays, and uh, the, the people who do that say, oh, it's just advertising, because if I have an ashtray at home, I said it's from uh, uh, Coleman's restaurant, um, they'll be interested and want to go to Coleman's restaurant. That's nonsense. But um, the more expensive a restaurant, the more expensive the amenities are going to be, and you're not going to get away with it. And very, very often, they will, in fact, notice that the ashtray wasn't there when they had ashtrays, or that the uh, spoon is missing, and they, uh, they will put it on the bill. And perhaps even mention it to you. That's interesting. I'm glad you appreciated yeah. our silverware so much, and we'd be we'd be happy to pack some up for you at ten dollars a piece. <laughs> so, John, the menus—you're absolutely right about menus. Uh, today, they're kind of throwaway pieces, yeah. even though they still don't expect you to walk out with them. Uh, what was the beauty like? You have you said you had a, an example there. Yeah, I have several examples. Um, here is one from a restaurant that was called King Midas. I'll try to get, try to get that right. King Midas. Wow. It was an Indian restaurant, and that's the front, and that's the back. Wow. And these are prints, uh, Indian prints, uh, which themselves are very, very fine prints, which were, of course, reproduced for this. And then on the inside, well, first of all, you got a tassel here also. See the tassel? You always pay more when your restaurant has a tassel. Um, and on the inside, again, it was beautifully printed. Um, you can see the outline there of the, yeah. the hall yeah. or whatever. 
beautifully printed. So um, this is the kind of restaurant that was once ubiquitous in better restaurants. Um, this one, as I said, is very expressive of its time. So this one was from the Rockefeller Center uh, Dining Club. And as you can see, it's done with, uh, it's, it's, it's very Art Deco because it's in Rockefeller Center, which was an Art Deco building. And um, this is clearly an Art Deco design. Um, and throughout the menu, you'll see that echoed in the topography and in the colors and everything else about the, the restaurant. Um, this is one of the most famous of all, um, uh, of all uh, menus that up until recently, and perhaps there, you still can, I think there are a couple left. This is from Trader Vic's, not Trader Joe's. This is from Trader Vic's. And Trader Vic's has a very interesting history. Trader, Trader Vic Bergeron was a guy in Oakland um, who got out of the uh, Navy, and he opened a bar called Hinky Dinks. And Hinky Dinks was for the servicemen who were coming through San Francisco in droves during World War II. And one of the things he allowed them to do, he had a wooden leg. He said he lost to Moby Dick or something, but it wasn't true. But he had a wooden leg, and, and he used to have an ice pick, and you could stick, stick him with the ice pick in his leg, and everybody had a good time. But he was the one who invented the so-called tiki bar, which are rife. As a matter of fact, they've had a whole new renaissance. And the tiki bar has these crazy Polynesian motifs, <laughs> very few of them of which are, uh, um, uh, have anything to do with Polynesia. And he took stuff from... from um, all the various islands, the Fiji islands and so forth. And he made this famous menu, which was very racy. If you comes in even more, you can see these, these ladies down here. Um, where are they? There they are. See, um, they are dressed the way we think what Wahinis and Gauguin paintings uh, would be. And it was a very much an adult restaurant, but it was very good food. They invented the Mai Tai. Um, it, oh, by the way, it went from Hinky Dinks in, in, in Oakland, California, to become Trader Vic's in San Francisco. And then he franchised it, and he invented all these cocktails, and you would find the same cocktails, the same mugs, which are made of ceramic mugs, which had, like, made out of skeletons. It was called the Davy Jones's Locker Cocktail and so forth, and the Mai Tai. And at one point, I think there were <clears throat> probably 20 or 30 or more Trader Vic's all over the world. Now I think there's one or two left, but this original in San Francisco is not. But this is... um. I still think this is the menu that is used in the remaining ones and very much a part of restaurant history. Now, I could be wrong about this, John, but wasn't Trader Vic's famous because they were one of the first restaurants to actually uh, sell uh, the, the mugs and the, oh, yeah. the flowery things that go into the Absolutely, mugs the umbrella. They, I mean, they, they, it was a yeah, great they were a merchandising uh, uh Absolutely. He started, yeah. he started that whole thing. And so rather than steal it, the stuff from your table, we have a little gift shop right here, yeah. um, followed by a, a grander one at the, in New York at Tavern on the Green, which still has a gift shop because they, these are souvenir places. These are places, oh, I went to Trader Vicks. Oh, I went to Tavern on the Green. Sure. You like to have some memento. <clears throat> and the trader um, was smart enough to realize that and um, opened up his own gift shop there. You know, it's interesting because uh, today, at least in my world, um, the merchandising for restaurants really happens in bars. Every mm -hmm. bar has a T-shirt, mm -hmm. um, and that 
so do the hamburger joints. In and Out, which is a West Coast chain, uh, mm-hmm. has a has a T-shirt that they put out a new edition, a new design every year. There are mm-hmm. poli- people who collect the In and Out T-shirts going back to 1983. Really, um, but yeah, so merchandising in the world of of food and restaurants, I think, might have started with Trader Trader Vic's. Yeah, it uh, pretty much did. Um, that at least at that level and that scale, actually selling the dinnerware and and uh, everything else. Before that, um, well, T-shirts were not that popular as items. Right. <clears throat> hamburger stand in the 1920s or, or 30s, but yeah, he really really kicked it up a notch, as famous chef would say. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's I still great. have my um, I have my O'Brien's Hurricane uh, glass uh, from uh, New Orleans. Uh, yes. and, uh, yeah. I, and I do have uh, three wonderful uh, spoons from the Ritz-Carlton, which were perfect for uh-huh. uh, stirring in um, uh, uh, sweetener in my coffee. They just have a nice feel to it. So I have a, I have a, a, a set of three because I wasn't able to go back a fourth time. But Well, the Ritz was famous for that. Every single Ritz-Carlton around the world, they had this blue, this uh, uh, cobalt blue glassware, water glasses. And those were also something you could uh, purchase at the, uh, in any any of the Ritz Carlton's around the world. There is, as a matter of fact, say an organization in um, in Italy of like 50, 60, 100 restaurants that they have a very, very cheap um, ceramic plate with the dish of the not the dish of the day, but the dish they're most known for. Let's say it's fettuccine Alfredo from Alfredo's restaurant. So you can buy or have if you order the if you order the the uh, dish itself. Um, you can buy or have that dish, and people collect them. So that's and, and your menus are from uh, my hometown, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. to my new neighbor out on the West Coast, Spago's, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Where's the the menu from? Let's say the most far flung location that you have. Uh, well, I do have uh, some from China, but here's this is pretty far flung. <clears throat> this is a Still going, I think. A wonderful seafood restaurant in Hawaii, which is called John Dominus. Can you see this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold it back closer to you, John. Hold it closer to you. There and you go. Now we can see more. Yeah. Cut. Woodcut. Oh, and it's very, yeah. look at the size of this thing, you know? And when wow. you open it up, this is supposed to uh, exhibit to you that you are in a very serious restaurant. And inside, they have all of the fish pictured, and uh, this took a lot of work. Koala Basin in Honolulu. Well, wow. you're not likely to find these much anymore. But first of all, big menus have gone the way of the dodo bird in that respect. Um, some are whimsical. Um, the Cattleman Restaurant, <clears throat> which was on 45th Street in New York for a long time, was trying to show how simple and down-to-earth they were, you know? So this is a piece of newsprint there, and on it, it says, um, return to the era of the cattlemen, where men live by an idealism, treating strangers with hospitality. We refuse to shoot an unarmed man. You know, and so you knew what you were getting in, in for here, and here, too, appetizers, soups. This is something that they would certainly encourage you to take home with you. Yeah. It also looks like it's the era before 
limited menus. Yes, yes. This is a very, very big menu. Uh, this is the precursor of the California Pizza Kitchen, which is outrageous. Um, the French, of course, have the most class and style. Um, and here's one from a New York restaurant, which was called La Caravelle, which goes back to the 1960s. Sure, sure. We're blurring yeah. on that. But this uh, is a very, Bring very it back to you and tilt it down towards the floor a little bit. There you go. Now we can see it without yeah. the glare. And so this is Caravelle was um, uh, on 50, West 55th Street and had a good 25-year, 30-year run before the landlord booted them out because he was boosting the, uh, the rent by 400%. But this is a scene from Paris by a man named uh, Paget, and this is the mural that they had in the restaurant. You know where they put the murals, by the way? On the walls. Can you believe that? That's where they were. The <laughs> and um, Le Caravelle was a great, great restaurant, and its menu shows what kind of Parisian, very French cuisine restaurant we are. Uh, John? Oh, John. I... Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Do you have, um, do you know if. Um... Uh, in Boston, if they have a, uh, a a website that people can go to, or a uh, a link they can go to, so people can actually see these uh, menus online, they certainly will, um, because the collection is not yet complete. I haven't given them all to them, and I'm sure they will. And I'll be happy to let everybody know when that occurs. Although I don't think it's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, um, tomorrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. but they will. You, you mentioned, John, you mentioned uh, La Caravelle ran for 30 years. <laughs> what, how long does a good restaurant last? Just the life of the owner? Well, it's a good question. Like any other small business, um, <clears throat> coronavirus aside, um, restaurants go out of business all the time, 2008, 9-11, um, uh, the Depression, World War II, and so forth. But they're not, they're, they're exactly like any other small business a dry cleaner, a nail salon. <clears throat> the average expectation for a, a restaurant that is undercapitalized by mom and pop is almost always two years or less. I mean, oh, it's very, boy. very tough mm. to stay in. So that if you, get, if you get through your first four years, you're probably doing very, very well. And uh, depending on how mom and pop you are, um, if mom and pop keels over or one of the other keels over, then unless you have a son and daughter who are willing to take uh, on the responsibilities, um, it, the chances are it's not going to be the same restaurant and the chances are that it's going to uh, close. Yeah. But uh, I mean, some of the, these that I've shown you, like John Dominus has been around for 40 years. La Caravelle had a 30-year run because they're very professionally run restaurants. Um, I want to show you another one here that's uh, that's very um, pertinent to today. Um, just this week, the owner, the maestro of all restaurateurs in America, Sirio Maccioni, died. Um, he was 88 years old, and his family was still involved in the restaurant. And le cirque, which means the circus, and you can see all these monkeys monkeying around, um, uh, was a restaurant that opened back in the 1970s. It became a high society restaurant. And on any given day, you could walk into Le Cirque. And Sirio Maccioni was there uh, kissing hands and uh, kissing cheeks. And uh, um, 
he was a master of handling a dining room with 120, 130 seats. And you would see on any given day the High Society of New York. You'd see um, Valentino and Bill Blass and, and uh, uh, Diane Furstenberg and all the fashion people. And then you'd walk in on any given night and see Sophia Loren there or Woody Allen or any number of uh, stars and celebrities. And uh, I remember those nights um, when models and, and uh, it was just a fabulous, glamorous place. And it went through three iterations under uh, Siri Maccioni and his family. It was first at 65th Street, then it was the Palace Hotel, and it was the Bloomberg Building, and finally closed about two years ago, although they have a, a branch uh, still in um, out in uh, Las Vegas and one in Abu Dhabi, I believe. But Sirio just died this week, and you cannot imagine the uh, outpouring of emotions and testimonies to this man who was considered um, a great teacher, an ultimate professional, and the epitome of what a, uh, an owner, maitre d' uh, should be. He had great wit, great dry wit, very self-effacing, and uh, I know him very well, and he said to me once, he says, you know, don't complain, because nobody really cares. And he's right, you know. You got your problems. He, he, behind every detail in a restaurant, there's another thousand other details that he had to deal with, and everybody does. So don't complain, you know, because, uh, oh, the butter didn't come in. Uh, your guest doesn't care about that. You have to make do somehow and uh, get through it. And he was a master at that. Love your menu collection, John. Just love it. Thank, Thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, listen, before we go, we need to know your website so people can join your newsletter if they want. Yes, it's very simple. Just go to John Mariani is one word, johnmariani.com, and you can sign up yourself and your 10,000 closest friends free of charge. Wow, that that inexpensive for fine dining. Uh uh, very good, and uh, we'll get back to you and to our audience when we have that link to uh, where the menus uh, might be uh, seen. Uh, uh, fascinating, fascinating. Uh, how many times have we passed by anything uh, and, and just not picked up a menu, and you had the good sense to do it and uh, uh, have made an historical record that might otherwise have been lost? Unquestionably. Well, uh, thank you again, uh, John, for a wonderful um, episode and sharing your knowledge. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. So uh, to every, everybody at Celebrating Act Two, uh, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you uh, next time. For more on Celebrating Act Two, visit our webpage, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and tell your friends. Celebrating Act Two is the user manual for the second half of your life.